Rural communities struggle to keep their populations and their top talent close to home. This also means that rural hospitals and healthcare providers struggle to recruit all of their own physicians and advanced practice providers, often spending more time and money than their urban and suburban counterparts would to bring in these professionals to care for their community. With specialty care and things like emergency care, it gets even more difficult. So, how do we attract the best providers and ensure access to care for our communities? With provider sharing affiliations, specialty group partnerships, and stellar relationship building. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 6 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer for Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So today we're talking about partnerships and affiliations that help rural hospitals and healthcare providers expand and sustain access to care in their respective communities. That's right. And today we're going to focus specifically on hospital, inpatient, and emergency room care, two of the most critical healthcare services rural communities rely on every day. When communities lose their hospitals and their ERs, they lose lives too. Well, our special guest today is Chris Lutz, Executive Vice President and Group Operating Officer for SCP Health. It's a physician practice group that we partner with here at Hillsdale Hospital for our inpatient providers and as well as our emergency room providers. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Chris. Thank you very much, JJ and Rachel. It's great to be with you today. So Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and SCP Health? Thank you so much, Rachel. Again, my name is Chris Lutz and I was raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've had the good fortune to work um, in healthcare administration and in an executive role with um, hospitals, hospital health systems, physicians for well over 30 years, beginning in 19, about 91, when I was the senior VP of operations for a national practice management company, which is really what SCP Health is. Uh, we're a clinical services company that provides um, hospital-based practice management services to um, hospitals all over the United States. Since that time in 1991, when I was uh, beginning an executive career, I've, again, been blessed to be a COO, a president, uh, and to my current role uh, of EVP and Group Operating Officer for SCP Health. And, uh, you know, my great privilege, again, is to work with the hospitals that we partner with. So now that we've established who you are and what you do, let's start with the why. Now, we do this on every episode so we can get to know our guests just a little bit better. Chris Lutz, what is your why? What motivates you? In other words, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, thank you, JJ. I mean, that's that's a great question. And I think it begins, I think, of really three things. Um, faith. I grew up in a family where prayer was valued and that continues to this day. It's a great way to center the morning throughout the day and, and at night. And then family. And for me, family, I'm thinking of two things, I guess. One is my immediate family, my wife, Teresa, daughter, Ashley, and granddaughter, Ava. Yes, she's in virtual school at our house um, almost five days a week today. Uh, and then my mom and dad, who raised me in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I think uh you know, just trying to honor um, the the way I was raised, which was, you know, hardworking uh, 
parents that were faith-based and invested in their family. And one, and to connect my sort of last reason, it's, I, I think, um, you know, to try to do some good JJ and, um, you know, it's such a, uh, as I've already said, it's such a wonderful opportunity to work with um, physicians and hospitals and to support the really great work that's done there. And my mom instilled that education and the respect for um, physicians and hospitals very, very early on. And, and that was non-negotiable in our household. She was a registered dietitian at a hospital called McKeesport Hospital, an old uh, steel town in Pittsburgh. And so, you know, just coming by that honestly, but I really think trying to do some good. So when we go, when we lay our heads down at night, we know we've done our best to make a difference. So, Chris, let's talk about SCP Health and what you and others like you in your industry do. And what is a physician practice group and how does it work? Well, JJ, we're a clinical services company. And what what I do and what SCP Health does is provide what we believe to be expertise in managing emergency medicine and hospital medicine and actually urgent care center and some other service lines, but managing primarily emergency medicine and hospital medicine physician groups. Uh, We work with over 400 hospitals across about 32 states and provide care in our partnerships with our hospital partners and physician and advanced practice provider partners provide care for uh, just over 8 million patients annually. Um, and what we we know are and understand and work on all the time are what are you know, best practices, what are industry quality standards. Um, and it's really our job, my job, to provide administrative support, uh, guidance, and to be listening um, for what is required and necessary for all of the local groups. One of the things we know for sure that um, our focus has to be um, supporting what happens at a local level, all healthcare. I tend to still believe super strongly, especially rural healthcare, is delivered locally. And so our guiding principle is, you know, we want to support that great care is being delivered every day in the communities we serve, including JJ in in the Hillsdale community. So, Chris, how common is it for hospitals to work with uh, a group like SCP Health instead of hiring all their own providers for their inpatient and their ER care? Well, Rachel, it's a, a, another really appropriate question, and it's very common. Uh, in fact, in the over 6,000 hospitals around the country or over 4,000 medium and small-sized hospitals in the United States, Uh, Most of those hospitals are served by practice management firms. It's a substantial um, healthcare sector, and it it creates the opportunity for sort of specialized focus and expertise uh, to be delivered to hospitals, both health systems and hospitals that that think it's, um, you know, it's worthwhile and and a good fit. Um, And I would only say excluding, uh, to answer your question fully, the academic centers, the university hospitals, are ones that tend to not work with groups uh, such as SCP Health, but employ their providers. So we have mentioned recruitment challenges earlier, and hospitals in rural areas have a harder time bringing in new docs, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, etc. How does working with a group like SCP Health make that easier on hospitals? In other words, does the burden just shift to the practice group, or are you better positions to recruit talent for those specific healthcare roles? 
Yeah, I think that's really the meat and potatoes of what we do, JJ. And I think uh, we do have the expertise and um, the uh, are indeed better positioned to recruit that talent. And, and why is that? It's because we have large groups of people who every single day are simply focused on recruiting and finding the very best clinical talent and matching that clinical talent with the needs and requirements of the hospitals and health systems we work with. So, you know, so getting to know the communities. Now, I have a few more comments on this subject, JJ, but to to just give you and Rachel and the audience an idea of the resources, we have well over 30 full-time physician recruiters who do nothing but recruit for these specialties, emergency medicine or hospital medicine. And we have uh, provider locator positions, another 15 to 20 people who are functioning those roles, meaning locating providers, finding out where the quality providers are and getting them to our recruiters so they be they can be recruited. So we have a huge staffing sort of um, operation that is um, supported by researchers and then by management of, you know, how are the recruiters and those big teams going about uh, delivering results for our hospital partners. The, the, the other thing I would say is no one can sell Hillsdale Hospital better than JJ and your administrative team, Rachel, you and your team. Uh, you and your medical staff and your nursing staff and your community know Hillsdale even better than we do. And we think we know it pretty well. So I think we get the best results when everyone is engaged in recruiting. It's clearly our responsibility to identify, to place, to contract with quality providers that will make a full-time commitment and do really good clinical and caring work for the patients of Hillsdale. But I, I look at it as a big part of my responsibility, even as an administrator or an executive, we all participate in that process. And Chris, you've done a fantastic job for us here at Hillsdale Hospital and ensuring that we have providers that can care for our patients. And I talk to fellow CEOs across the state uh, and, and for that matter, across the nation. And it is the number one challenge that we face is finding providers who want to come into rural communities. And then I guess with the shortage of providers in general, it's just a difficult time even to find providers right now in that environment. So uh, we want to thank you for that opportunity that you have provided to us to give us some great providers. And I want to plug right now on this show, uh, doctors like Dr. Shooker, uh, who has done a phenomenal job. Hopefully in the future, we'll have an opportunity to speak with him. Uh, you brought us some fantastic providers and uh, mid-levels and APPs and other folks who have done a great job at taking care of our patients and truly that are saving lives. Now, JJ, I do have a question for you. So there was a time when Hillsdale Hospital did not have a hospitalist program and community docs came in daily and were rounding on their patients. So tell us about the shift from that model to a hospitalist program and how having the right partner makes a difference when you have that type of setup. Well, Rachel, I've been here now almost 11 years, and when I started my journey here, I actually hired in at the time in which we had the community doc model. And what that means is in small rural communities, your providers in the community, your family practice providers, will actually come into the hospital, do the rounds, and become the hospitalists that check in on the patients, right? We can't just do this alone. We have to have physicians that take care of our patients. In metropolitan areas, you know, obviously they have physicians that are hired by the institution. Uh, so we operated off of the provider model. 
And we have wonderful providers, and that's the other benefit of rural health is, you know, you look at our providers in primary care, and these are genuine, loving people, kind. These are folks that are in the community every day. They're contributing back. Um, But they also became very busy. Um, And so as their practice begins to get uh, deeper and deeper and more and more patients, uh, they find themselves pushed out further and further to come into the hospital to do those rounds. And we were witnessing physicians that would come here well after work, after they charted, after they went through the processes of calling in scripts and doing those things, uh, these individuals would come to the hospital and do the rounds then. And this could be truly 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And what we realized uh, is the quality of life for our providers in rural America began to look very, very dark because these individuals were spending all their time in their practice from 7 in the morning by the time they arrived to turn the lights on uh, to when they leave there, 6, 7 o'clock at night, to then come to the hospital. Um, I remember early on when we started to discuss the idea and concept of a hospital. And please understand, that this is not a uh, cheap endeavor for hospitals. I mean, many hospitals that are in rural America cannot afford a hospitalist program because uh, you're paying physicians to take care of our patients, right? And typically that was being done, uh, not paid for uh, to these providers. They were not getting paid for that. So, uh, and we weren't having to pay for it. So it was a huge commitment on our part and a huge commitment on the part of the providers to in a certain extent, lose contact with that patient of theirs who was in the hospital. Now, we quickly got over that. But early on, I remember the story, and the story goes like this. Uh, The provider who was new to medicine, lived in this area, um, was a native of this area, went to college in the state, came back to decide to start a practice with him and his best friend. Uh, They start a practice, and They become very busy. They're very popular guys. And all of a sudden, their practice begins to boom in more and more time. Well, at the same time, they're expected to do rounds at the hospital. And at the same time, they're taking on responsibilities like covering the jail and covering the nursing homes. And they become very busy. And I remember a story that one of them told me that shortly after we brought the model of hospitalist to Hillsdale County, he talked about the quality of his life. So he goes relatively soon after we made this decision, and he gets home and he sits at the dinner table. And I remember he he said to us, his daughter, who I think maybe at the time was six or seven, says to him, Daddy, why are you eating with us? And the realization that he had spent years of that childhood, of her life, uh, you know, being gone from the home was powerful to me to realize that what we were doing was really important, not only for our patient care, but also for the wellness, mental health and wellness and and long-term longevity of our providers. It was, in fact, the right thing to do. So uh, there was a time that I do remember it. And I think for all parties involved, once our patients accepted the model and once our physicians, you know, certainly realized that they're not here until midnight, um, I think everybody on board understands the value proposition that a hospitalist program brings to your community. Well, outside of staffing the providers, Chris, what kind of additional support is your team able to provide for the hospitals you work with? Um, it goes beyond just placing docs, right? Absolutely, JJ. And of course, we keep engaged and informed by national best practices. 
share those processes and protocols with our hospital partners. And those run the gauntlet from quality of care to staffing models to business guidance. Um, and we partner with our hospitals on, on risk management and risk guidance. And, uh, and of course, stay really um, engaged on process improvements. And we advocate for the specialty, you know, which allows us to run the structure of these programs more efficiently with our hospital partners. So we advocate for the specialty of emergency medicine. We advocate for the specialty of hospital medicine, which, by the way, JJ, that was a, a terrific answer about hospital medicine, which is, of course, a relatively new specialty. And I think that, you know, the, you know what, what I heard you say is Hillsdale Hospital has made the investment in the future of Hillsdale Hospital, in the future of your primary care providers, so they can be sustained, can, can have a work-life balance. And it it's really speaks to the strength of Hillsdale Hospital as a community hospital to be able to do that. But when you, you you know, when I'm asked, you know, does it go beyond placing docs? Yes. You know, we're a management group. We look at data every single day. We look at, you know, productivity and patient satisfaction metrics. And we support our providers, which is a way we support our physicians. Our schedulers, you know, they, I think, um, Rachel, they may have a seat at, at uh, and JJ at, at the uh, doctor's dinner table. You know, they know they're just like, uh, you know, they're or certainly their Thanksgiving or holiday table because they really become family. So, you know, our job is to know um, every single thing we can about what um, is going to make a provider comfortable. And she or he, when they walk through the doors to work in practice at Hillsdale Hospital, that they know all the things that could be. Um, um, a distraction to providing calm, collected, efficient, and super quality and caring care uh, we have taken care of. So that's how, that's what, uh, so yes, JJ, uh, um, a bit of a long answer to your question, but absolutely, yes, it goes beyond that. Now, I'm sure there may be some who are wondering, especially in tight-knit rural communities, and you kind of alluded to this, JJ, but there are people who might be thinking, isn't this just outsourcing the care instead of providing it with local professionals? We know that's not really the case. So, Chris, how do your providers become engaged in the communities where they serve and build relationships, even though they aren't directly employed by the hospitals? Sure, Rachel. Yes, I think it begins with the individual doctor to the patient relationship and the physicians that we work with there are there are multiple things that they do to become part of the community you know they they work very closely with first responders so they work very closely with EMS they provide education to the staff but i think the most important thing the providers do is come into work uh, to practice clinical medicine with great credentials in a commitment to Hillsdale Hospital, which is a commitment to the patients of your community and that individual doctor to patient relationship. And, and, you know, obviously we're seeing that today, but we see it all the time where they are saving lives. They are checking sore throat. They are, um, you know, they're running the A to Z clinical uh, spectrum and doing it with care. So, um, you know, for me, it really boils down. You know, we do all the things that we, you know, obviously JJ expects our leaders to be engaged with hospital uh, quality improvement work, with committee service. But at the end of the day, 
their job, the way they connect with the community is, is connecting and providing great care for your patients. Chris, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted everyone in healthcare, in every part of healthcare. What have you seen with your team as they are working to battle this virus in the communities where they serve? Wow, JJ, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've worked uh, in, in this, uh, in healthcare for over 32 years. And, you know, what I've seen is um, um, amazing work by our providers. It's uh, humbling to watch, JJ. And, you know, what I've seen is, um, you know, I, I think if, if I were to say it's amazing and it's incredible, um, I would I would be making an understatement. Dr. Stacy Goldshaw, who is the chief medical officer for hospital medicine for SCP Health last week, said to me, we are asking our providers every single day to do things they have never done before. So, you know, and really it's, it's, a, it's a collaboration, JJ. It's a collaboration with your nursing staff, with your medical staff, your leadership. But our advanced practice providers and physician and physician leaders, you know, we certainly couldn't have any more respect as they do um, just spectacular quality work in the most stressful conditions we could ever imagine. Chris, we're on the battle field, certainly, and uh, we know that the battle line has been drawn and we're fighting the forces of COVID-19 each and every day, but com- you know, complicated uh, situations and mandates and edicts from states and the legislature and governors have really impacted healthcare business and industry. And we have shared uh, in the very beginning from our podcast that um, the urgency uh, to ensure that our hospitals remain open uh, in our respective rural communities across America. And we've shared numerous times about our fight uh, on the state level to make sure that elective surgeries uh, continued. And what was really shocking for me, Rachel and Chris, to, to read recently was that not only are we faced with this enormous, never-before-ever-dealt-with pandemic, uh, in which that our patients, you know, are are in the middle and in the balance. Um, but at the same time, because of the financial losses and the cost, healthcare workers were being let go, um, hospital physicians, and 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 this is this is what the industry had to do. You can't operate a hospital with you know over staff, and and uh, certainly if the volume isn't there for the providers, you know it's a it's a sh- it's a sad, very sad. Uh, situation, Chris, that we face right now, and we have to balance that. And you and I have talked about this on numerous occasions, you know, in terms of how do you delicately balance that. But as you have month after month of loss from uh, revenue that you could have uh, obviously recovered from surgeries, um, that has a dramatic impact on your operations and your bottom line. And your company experienced it. My company experienced it. Um, but I just want to say to our listener today that, you know, in the middle of fighting all this, we, we do see fewer healthcare workers. We do have fewer providers that are taking care of much more sicker patients. And if there's anything that we can do on this program and as a people is to say thank you uh, to those men and women who are bravely risking their own health and their lives to take care of others. And then an industry 
uh, that now unfortunately has to look at providers and healthcare workers and say, you no longer have a job. It is the most convoluted, mixed up, uh, most unprecedented time in our nation in which we would have those two different scopes. One where you have a, a pandemic that's taking people and, and uh, placing them in hospitals, but on the same token, you have hospitals and healthcare systems that can't afford to do the work and the business that don't have the resources available. And it's just, it's a, it's a significant challenge. Right, it is. And I think um, what's going to be interesting, you know, we talk about the challenges of recruitment in rural health care, but I think on the other side of this pandemic, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the healthcare workforce overall after, you know, so far it's been, what, nine months um, that we've been dealing with this and however much longer that goes, but what, what kind of impact is that going to have on the healthcare workforce? And at that point, too, the relationships w- that we have with people like you, Chris, with SCP Health become ever more important because we have to more than ever kind of uh, fight that battle together and find ways to support our healthcare workers who've been through a very difficult time um, in the industry as a whole, not just in our own individual organizations. Well, Chris, I want to thank you once again for joining us today and for your partnership with Hillsdale Hospital. I appreciate uh, your leadership uh, as a senior executive working uh, with SCP and working with my administrative team. Uh, we've certainly battled quite a few uh, quite a few things over the past year uh, and certainly things that we would have never dreamed that we would have had to deal with. But we've done it with resolve. We still have a, a long road ahead of us, uh, but we are going to enjoy this relationship uh, of providing great service to our community through your partners, Uh, and your providers uh, here in our community, which then become our providers, and they begin to identify with our community, which is a very important aspect of the relationship, Rachel, is that uh, we have the availability to bring these individuals into our community so that they are part of our community, and we've watched that happen. And so we're, we're very thankful, Chris, for your time today and for your participation on our program. Thank you very much. And now for our favorite part of the show, the voice of the patient. Today, we have a story from Sue, whose life changed dramatically when she started visiting the pain management clinic at Hillsdale Hospital. This is Sue's story. My back is uh, very, very painful. And for several years, when my rheumatologist said, you know, you could try a pain clinic. He said that would, I believe, would really help you. So... I finally did, and it's, I'm thinking here three or four years I've been seeing Andy, and he's amazing. I can walk better. I don't have to use my cane. I thank the Lord every day that I can do this. You know, it's so important to hear the impact that great healthcare has on a person's day-to-day life. It's not always a band-aid and we're done. And this is why access to rural healthcare is so important because better health equals a better quality of life for our patients. So what a great story to be able to hear from Sue. Before we close, Chris, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know, what is your most unique rural experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? Well, JJ, you, you, you know, it immediately prompts me to think of my father-in-law, uh, Ralph Morgan, chief petty officer in the Navy, served at Pearl Harbor, raised as a farmer, passed away at age 98 in February of 2018. Here are some of the things that, uh, I can contemplate that we're in his garden, if you want to call it that. Turnip greens, collard greens, black-eyed peas, 
melons, berries, strawberries, raspberries, muscadines, uh, sweet potatoes, potatoes, uh, um, every kind of pea known to, man, known to mankind. If my wife has to string a bean again, she's going to um, probably harm herself. But just an incredible part of um, everything you can imagine and and how um, how dedicated he was to it. And, and later in his life, uh, you know, he'd work that garden right up until the end. And sometimes, you know, he'd fall down and he was a small man. And he just said, he'd say to my wife, his daughter, I've fallen down a lot. It's just dirt, you know. So uh, uh, that's a really fond memory. I have such respect for all he did to serve our country. The example of hard work he shared with uh, my wife and me and, and what came out of that garden. Well, that is a wonderful story. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll talk about the challenges in rural health that have been accentuated by the COVID-19 pandemic. And our guest is a highly credentialed individual from way out west. So be sure to tune in. And as a reminder, we're collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct to voicemail line at area code 269-447-1265 and share your story with us. You just might be featured on a future episode of Rural Health Rising. Again, that number is 269 447 one, two, six, five. You can also look that up on our website at ruralhealthrising.com. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Chris Lutz, Executive Vice President and Group Operating Officer for SCP Health. For more interviews like this and more information or to share your patient testimonial with us, visit RuralHealthRising.com.